Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And and surely I am with, with, with you always to the very end of the age. Just as Jesus met those 11 disciples on the mountain in Galilee, Jesus meets us here this morning. There are differences, of course. We can't see him as they did. And most of us will have driven to church this morning, and that's a lot less arduous than having to climb a mountain. And there's a few more than 11 of us here. So much for the differences, but there are also clear similarities. We worship Jesus as risen Lord, as they did. Some of us may have some doubts in our minds, as they did. We recognise, as they did, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. That's the basis on which we brought our prayers of intercession earlier. But then again, the similarities run out, because Jesus didn't tell his disciples to go home and have Sunday lunch. He told them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all his commands. That's the challenging bit. For centuries, you know, the church evaded the challenge of the Great Commission, as it's become known, by assuming that the charge to make disciples of all nations was addressed purely and simply to those 11 disciples. In effect, they were assumed to have done the job for the rest of us. It was the founder of Baptist World Mission, William Carey, who in the 18th century challenged that prevailing interpretation by arguing, among other things, that if we want to claim the promise of Jesus' presence with us every day until the end of the age then we also need to accept his command to go and make disciples of all nations. You can't claim the promise without avoiding the obligation. So we are under orders. Thank you, Claire, lost you now, for saying we are missionaries to whoever it is that God sends us this week. What does it mean to make disciples? One gentle definition that I like is that it means moving people to submit to the influence of Jesus as their teacher and saviour and to increase this influence over their lives. And I like that because I'm quite comfortable with that, but I, I don't think it's quite radical enough. Because when you go back to what Jesus said, he didn't say, I've been given a lot of influence in heaven and earth. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he pushes us a bit more than just inviting people to accept his influence. Actually, the invitation is for people to accept his authority over their lives, who they are, their situations as teacher and saviour. Jesus is Lord. He lays claim to this world and everyone in it. 
And if he's Lord, do we then have a choice about whether to accept his authority or not? Well, at the moment we do. At least until that point in time when he returns in power and glory as Lord and Judge. And then it will be quite a different matter. But for now, yes, we have the choice about whether we bow to Jesus as Lord or not. And Jesus knows and understands that. It's one thing to claim authority. It's another thing entirely for people to accept authority. Making disciples is about enabling, encouraging, inviting people to recognise, accept, submit to the authority of Jesus as risen Lord and Saviour. And it's his authority we're called to accept. In no way, shape or form is the Great Commission about the church or any other religious leader holding sway or having power over anyone. Jesus didn't say, go and plant churches. He said, go and make disciples. And a disciple is a follower of Jesus. So it's not about getting people to follow us, as if we're looking to build our own massive following on Twitter. Our business is following Jesus in our daily lives. That means living our lives his way, allowing him to point the direction, set the agenda for what we do. And actually everything we do, we do in his name. Everything we do, we do for him. Because if we accept his authority, that means we live our lives in entirety for him. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not even about Brighton Road. We don't bear witness to Jesus to get bums on seats in our church. He calls us to baptise people, not into membership of Brighton Road Baptist Church, but into the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Calling people to belong to God, to follow Jesus. Those who belong to Jesus, those who follow Jesus belong first and foremost to him. And they follow him. They don't follow any one of us. And he alone is the one with authority. He says to the disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. He's the one in charge. He's the one we submit to. We're called to bow to him and we invite others to do the same. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom. There is no layer of middle management. He's the boss. And we all submit to his authority together. And this authority is universal. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Sometimes we can lapse into thinking that this is the time. 10.30 on a Sunday morning. This is the place... Brighton Road Baptist Church, where Jesus is Lord. And so we come here at this time to this place, week by week, to bow the knee and worship him for an hour or so, before going back out into the real world. But the real world, actually, is the place where Jesus has authority. The real world, actually, is the place where Jesus is Lord. And we come here not to escape from the real world, for an hour or so, it's a little bubble where Jesus is Lord. We come here to be equipped with what we need to go out and live another week for him in what can sometimes be difficult 
and demanding situations to live for Jesus as Lord in contexts where people don't always recognise or welcome that truth. This is the time, this is the place where he briefs us with our mission for the coming week to go and be his witnesses wherever he places us. So the challenge is to recognise that the authority of Jesus over us extends beyond the doorway of this church and out into the wider world. This place is not the place where we come together to serve Jesus, no matter how many church rotors you are on. The big wide world is the place where we're called to serve Jesus and to live for him. The place where we operate under his direction and where we are agents of his kingdom and he entrusts us with the task of recruiting more followers. And that's different from persuading people to come to church. Although that's often how we think about sharing our faith. Make no mistake, I'm all for people inviting friends and neighbours to church. I'm glad that some of you are here because you've been invited. But actually, equally, I'm quite convinced that unless people start to think about Jesus outside of church and to begin to figure out what he means and who God is and what the implications of that are, then nothing we say or do here on a Sunday morning is going to have a great deal of relevance to them. Because if God and Jesus aren't on their agenda, then nothing here is going to connect. And so that means the connections need to be made outside of church first before people come here. And that means making those connections, getting God and Jesus on people's agenda, that is down to us. Because they won't open the Bible by themselves to read it. So there is very limited benefit in importing people who have no understanding of the faith into these four walls. Because to put it frankly, Jesus isn't particularly to be found here. This is not the sphere of his authority. His authority is out there. So God's main agenda is not about importing people into this building. God's main agenda is export. That's his business plan. Exporting people who do know Jesus out of the church into the world to be his witnesses and work for his kingdom there. Matthew 28 is the second time in Matthew's Gospel that Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission. At the end of the Gospel, he sends them out to all nations. The first time he sends them, he sends them only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But in many ways, that first mission is a model for the second. And it's challenging. Because when Jesus sends them out the first time, he sends them out to transform people's lives in the towns and villages they visit. And we are talking dramatic stuff here. He expected that the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven would be accompanied by sick people being healed. Dead people being raised to life. Lepers being cleansed. Demons being driven out. Woo! If we weren't outside our comfort zone already at the idea of being his witnesses, that certainly puts us well outside our comfort zone. But let's not get hung up on the details here too much. Jesus expected the message of the kingdom to have a massive impact for good 
on the lives of those who accepted it, to transform their situation in a multitude of different ways. The kingdom of God brings change. Change for the better. Sometimes miraculous change. Change that only God can bring about. And bringing that change in Jesus' name is God's agenda. And it's what makes church worthwhile, actually. What makes church worthwhile is not what we do here Sunday by Sunday. What makes church worthwhile is the impact we have the rest of the time as we live for Jesus in the big wide world. So, Jesus wants to send us out with the life-changing message of the kingdom to the lost sheep of Horsham. How do we start? We start with prayer. Because if we're outside of our comfort zone, that is our first resort. We start by praying for the situations we will go into. For the people that we will meet. Those places that you wrote down on your little slip of paper saying... Go. How do we pray? We pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The life-changing, dynamic, transforming power of the kingdom. Lord, bring that to bear on the situations that I encounter. Because Jesus said, where you go, your presence brings the kingdom of God near to those who meet you. William Carey, in his challenge to Christians to recognise that the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel applies to them, tells his readers that the place to start is in fervent and united prayer. That makes sense. It's one of God's strategies to move us out of our comfort zones because then we have to start to rely on him rather than just being all cosy and warm and complacent here in church. There's work to be done. And there's a challenge that we should not evade. And if we don't feel capable of rising to it, then that's fine, because the first thing we're called to do is to pray. What does William Carey go on to say? He says, The most glorious works that have ever took place have been in answer to prayer. He goes on to talk about how answers to prayer should encourage us to persist and increase in that important duty. He says, I trust our monthly prayer meetings for the success of the Gospel have not been in vain. It is truly a want of importunity to generally attend our prayers. Yet unimportunate, unimportunate and feeble as they have been, it is to be believed that God has heard and in a measure has answered them. He continues, the churches that have engaged in the practice have in general, since that time, been evidently on the increase. His point? If the task of bearing witness to Jesus in the big wide world appears to be too daunting, our first step is to pray. Because the work we are called to do is God's work. And as he calls So he equips. Without him we can do nothing. But to put it bluntly, prayer and action go hand in hand. It's no good praying for our armchairs for God's kingdom to come and for God's will to be done if we ourselves are not prepared for God's will to be done in our lives 
and for his kingdom to come through our own work and witness for him in the situations in which we find ourselves. So his call is to go, his call is to pray. And the two go hand in hand. So let's be honest with Jesus about the theme of our service this morning. He says to us, as he said to those 11 disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. We twisted it a bit in our Dickens Away Day at the start of this year. We talked about go and make disciples of all, na- all, all ages, but all people. How do you feel about that? And there, there may be one or two sitting here saying, yes, Lord, bring it on. I'm ready. Just put the right people in my path and give me the words to say. I'm there to take the opportunity to speak for you. Hallelujah. Others of us will be saying, oh, I don't know. Don't feel up to it. I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I'm scared. I wouldn't know where or how to begin. I can't think of how I could begin to say something relevant to the people I'm going to be meeting. And if that's how you feel, then you need to pray for God to open the door and to create the opportunity and the setting in which, oh my word, this is the moment for me to say this. But Jesus has spoken. He's waiting for our response. So let me read to you again the words of the Great Commission. Let's hear what Jesus has to say to us. And then, having heard his words, we will spend a period in silence when we can reflect on what he said and in your heart give your honest response about how you feel in the light of the challenge that he sets before us and the commission he entrusts to us. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we leave this place with Jesus' words in our minds and his hand on our lives, let me leave you with four thoughts. Firstly, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and he authorises you to speak and act in his name. Secondly, he will be with you every single day this week as he's promised. Thirdly, if anyone receives you, they receive Jesus. And if they receive Jesus, they receive the Father who sent him. And so lastly, as Christ's representatives, we go 
to live and work and speak for him this coming week. And as we go, we pray. We pray hard because we know we're going to need his help. But the one who calls you is faithful. And he will 